Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Minor Nation? I am Anthony Salone, and this is your boy Alex Nicholas coming with a fresh, new, not just fresh and new, but we're off to a clean start, man. We had some issues, but that was pre-show. Knock on wood, you got any wood around? I got. There we go. There we go. There we go. You know, we had some issues pre-show, but we're off on time for the first time. Uh, since we, two or three, two, two or at three least, the last. At least, especially when we're trying since to do we the since, That's what started that's it. What started. That's what started it. We try to go and broadcast live from the dawn, and then try to be big shot. Everything, and, uh, everything goes downhill, man. But what's good, everybody? Was shout out to the minor rush fans out there. Shout out to the message boards, and shout out to Austin, Texas. What's good? Here you go again. <laughs> Anyway, we got a lot planned for tonight's show. We're going to be talking some UTEP football recruiting news. Got a lot going on with National Signing Day coming up and plenty of scholarships to go around. Also be talking some UTEP basketball as the men take on Western Kentucky tomorrow. What is a huge, huge, huge contest, in my opinion, for the future of this season. Uh, The women also take on Western Kentucky here at home in a a big-time contest, top 25 Western Kentucky. I think they're like 24, right? 24. Big time contest for them too, and then and then some games on the weekend too. So we got a lot to talk about, and let's get to it, man. Tell tell me a little bit about shout out. You know who we need to shout out to is Angel Angel Luna, Angel man. Angel Luna, Angel oh, Luna, yeah. big time help. Um, our our, recru- our, our recruiting, recruiting insider, insider officially man. titled yeah. our recruiting insider. And boy, he's done he's a lot with, with he's done a lot with Minor Illustrated. I know he's helped them out a lot, and uh, the guy knows his stuff, man. And so shout out to him. But but let let's see what's going on in in UTEP football recruiting news. Where, where do you want to start? You want to start with an all JUCO all American commitment. You want to start with the list. I, mean, I do want to start with the JUCO all American. I do because because we we know something about him, and that is that his his biggest asset or whatever you know it, it his, immediate impact. His immediate impact is going to be in the return game, Big not time. necessarily as a wide receiver. Um, it may not necessarily as a kick returner, but a punt returner. You know what I mean? As, how does he fit in? How do you see him fitting? Again, alongside a guy like Andre Golden, who's been, you know, that playmaker for us in the return game. I mean, what was huge is you put him side by side with Andre Golden on kickoffs. Who do you kick it to? You know what I mean? That that's a that's a big time threat. I'm I'm assuming he might take over punt duties, which for he's sure. had oh, some sure. some issues with. Um, I just want to see with a guy of his of his athleticism. You know, how do you work him into the offense? Because that's the real key for me. I mean, he's just he can become. Really, something special here, just by being a diverse part of the offense. I mean, really, more than the return game. I mean, he's proven his return game. Let JUCO, let all JUCO in punt return yards and punt touchdown and punt return touchdowns had an 83 yarder, had an 89 yarder, an 83 yarder, a 73 yarder, two and two, two in one game. But more, what I feel is he brings is that diversity in the offense, particularly, and and we don't know if UTEP's going to go back to it because well we don't know what the quarterback is, but with that jet sweep motion that seemed to kind of open up the run game a little bit more, it kind of opened up the passing game a little bit more when it was a, a pass option, and I think he could just become that big diversity piece where if he's running across the field and you have Watcher Golden lining up in the slot, Aaron Jones. David Ham, that's I mean that's yeah. a headache for an offensive coordinator, and I think that's where he'll probably make his impact early on. I think it's going to take him a couple games to, on the receiving end to kind of get in a rhythm, um, in a game rhythm, especially with a new quarterback. But I really think that he can be a big time chess piece for Patrick Higgins and Sean Cooper going forward. And I think immediately, I think you'll see. I think his first return is his first big return is going to have Conference USA coaches saying, "Hold up, hold up." You know what I mean? This guy's got – I mean, it's the same kind of thing like Autry Golden as far as what he brings to an offense, that extra target, that extra red light, that extra game planning uh, fold, wrinkle, whatever you want to call it. But, I mean, that's just – that's a great pickup, not only for the return, but just to get a guy like that. I mean, you, you kind of wonder – and the big question I'm pretty sure a lot of fans have is, is well, he's he only had – what was it? Uh, Army and NAU out of high school. He only spent a year at JUCO. He didn't have two, you know, he didn't have any offers. So what's the scoop? And I just think a lot of bigger schools are probably giving him one more year. And Cougar had what he had to do. And he offered this kid. There's a, I mean, UTEP can use any type of receiver depth, any type of returner depth. depth. With the way the offense is set up, there, you look at teams like, you look at teams in college football, like a Middle Tennessee, 
um, you know, just for example, that they rely on their return game. And then you can even go back as far as to the NFL, the teams, the defensive teams like the Ravens and guys that really need or teams that really need that return game to become a factor. And I think that's a guy I want to say his name is Terry Junell. We'll try to get clearance on that. In case y'all are wondering, we're talking about Terry Junell, a JUCO All-American wide receiver slash return specialist out of Arizona, hometown surprise, Arizona Valley Vista High School. He was at Glendale Community College in Arizona uh, for his freshman year, but he is a qualifier and will be available this coming season. Be, you know, has, has three years of eligibility. He's listed anywhere from 5'9 to 5'11. I'm going to say he's more on that 5'9 end and uh, in the 175 range as far as weight. But, you know, he did some damage in the receiving game in, in JUCO. And JUCO is a big thing in Arizona. I lived there for a while. You know, I even considered playing at Mesa Community College for a minute, but uh, it wasn't really my thing. So uh, they do have, you know, football teams at all of these community colleges out there in, in the Phoenix area. There's about three, four, five of them. And, and so it is a pretty big thing. And anytime you make any All-American list, regardless if you're a Division One, I, I mean, obviously it's huge when you're in Division One, but even at the JUCO level, I mean, there's so many athletes out there. So when you do something like that, it's definitely special. So looking forward to seeing Terry Janelle coming this season. Um, but there's definitely some other guys that we got to talk about here. Uh, most recently, besides Janelle, was... It was Chance Bishop. Big time commitment, too, because Bishop's a big guy, 6'6", 300 pounds, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and, I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to come in and, and play immediately, but a guy that, that has the tools to become a real weapon in the offensive line for years to come. I mean, he was like a, a de facto six blocker last year. And I, I mean, this is just, this is blew my mind. I'm sitting here at the house hearing, you know, getting this information about this kid. This kid played on a high school team. That ran for five thousand yards. Wow. In, in the age of, of spread offenses, you don't see that no more. And for a guy to be grounded, I don't know if you ever saw that. I, I don't know if you ever will see that. Five thousand yards is not. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, and okay, yes, it, I'm still used to the old Texas classification where he technically played three A, even though it's listed as four A. Sure. So it's a smaller, you know, it's a smaller level of of, of Texas football, but. I mean, when you're 6'6 six, six and 300 pounds and, and you can block off the edge and you have quick feet, and not only that, but you caught five passes for 131 yards and two touchdowns this season in an offense that that ran that only threw the ball, what I put here, 45 times this year, the kid is a road grader. And I could really see him. I mean, he could probably play anywhere on the offensive line, but I think he would be more better suited as maybe a pulling tackle, yeah, or, tackle. a pulling tackle or even a six blocker in his early years before he cements a spot on the offensive line. But again, a huge pickup. I mean, what do you think about getting no, no, doubt, no doubt about it. I think he's going to be sliding over to tackle. I mean, he was recruited as a, or not recruited, but he played a lot of tight end in high school. I, I don't see, I don't see that happening not, at the college I level. That. I don't think, you know, a guy of his size. Now he's got the height, but with what we've got coming in at tight end, I don't, I don't think he'll be playing no. much, much there. So I do see him sliding over to tackle, and he's gonna, I think he's gonna develop into a real good player. I mean, you look at what he's done, you look at where he comes from, and and what he was in high school. It, from what we've seen from Kugler so far, is kind of going to be the same thing that he's going to come into here. Just a power, run-heavy offense, you know, and, and he's used to that. I think he fits in well. He's got the size. He's got all the tools. I think he's going to be a great blocker for us here in the future. Huge, 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 huge pickup. And, uh, of course, let's this, this switch sides. Well, let's stay on the offensive side because we got two other offensive commits, Elliot Oldham, a, wide a JUCO wide receiver out of Minnesota Community College. 6'4 guy, 185. Uh, Rivals listed his 40 time as a 4'5. I don't know how accurate or updated that is. But, I mean, this is a guy that really, I mean, you can say a, a lot about about his production. But the fact is, is that he had horrible quarterback play. Each of his quarterback quarterbacks that he played with this year had less than a 50% completion percentage. The offense, not really the offense, but the passing game was built around him. 35 catches, close to 500 yards adding five touchdowns, a huge downfield threat. I mean, this is a, a guy that's going to play this year. There's no doubt about it. I mean, this guy was pretty – I don't know. I don't want to speak on this, but, you know, and put it – I mean, verify it or whatever. But I believe that Cougar basically promised him playing time. I mean, this is a guy that could become that difference maker. He kind of has that mold of possibly like a Jordan Leslie type of guy. 
big guy, maybe not that much of a blazing speed, but definitely a downfield threat. And I think this is a guy that can really come in and make an impact with a production just like Ian Hamilton did this year. But just like Ian Hamilton, you got to get this guy the ball. And he had a lot of interest from a lot of schools, talking like West Virginia, Texas Tech, San Diego State, Indiana, Illinois, Houston. I mean, there was definitely some big-time programs that were taking a look at this guy. And like you say, with his 4 5 speed and that 6-4 hype, Definitely a guy that should be able to stretch the field vertically. I don't know if he's going to be a true 6'4 guy, you know, that, that Ian Hamilton, like you say. So I don't know if that's the guy that just goes up there and gets that ball. But to have a guy to replace, well, what we really haven't had. You know, you had you had Ian Hamilton, but he wasn't exactly a stretch the field vertically kind of guy. That replaces a, a Jordan Leslie, going back to a guy like Chris Adams. You know, guys like that, um, that, that can go downfield and make plays. I mean, this guy is one of those guys, and like you say, he, he's going to be here, and he's going to be making plays right off the bat. Into the spring. <laughs> and, and this kind of leads in, you know, to take a, a step away from talking about specific names here, but, you know, wh- what is Kugler doing? You know, what – we were talking about this a second before the show started with, you know, he, okay, we talked about it last week. A, he's going after a lot of JUCO guys. Is this quick fix? Is this just trying to win this year? It, you know, where does the building process start as far as that aspect goes? Um, the other side of it is, how are you going to get a guy like like Elliot Oldham, you know, who could probably play at quite a few other programs that are going to want to get him, yeah, that are going to want to get him the ball, you know. He chooses a school like UTEP that has been. I mean, we talked about it this year. You know, they kept Jamil Showers. Under wraps. The past two, basically, they, we haven't they, had two thousand yard passer. They babysitted him. Yep. They they made sure that he wasn't going to make mistakes. Like we talked about, he had one read, and it was do this, go in there, look at this. If it's not there, you go here, and that's it. It was it was very careful, and and like we mentioned, from a guy that that Kugler mentioned when he came in was that leader, was that you know playmaker, and and you you held him back. You know, you you really held the reins on him. And and my question is, what are they doing with these guys? You look at at, at the guys that they've brought in. You look at the guys that they're trying to get. Um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but the kid from the kid from uh, Arizona, uh, Connor Brewer. Connor Brewer. You know, guys like this that are used to to offenses where it's kind of high powered, high speed. Um, Throw every other down. Yeah, and and we haven't seen that here. Are we are we going to see a transformation of UTEP's offense? That's a legit question. That's I mean, really that that's where I'm starting to wonder. You know, I see all these guys being put into place, and uh, and not even just on the on the outside, but even our tight ends. You know, real athletic guys and guys that can go play at other places being brought into a program where are you just going to continue to run the ball and play it safe? I I don't. I don't think you can get these guys if you're not promising them that they're going to be able to go out there and just play. You know, I, I don't see it. And that and that's something that we definitely got to keep an eye on, Paul, because that could be that you know it's kind of like the NFL. For an example, when you when the, the when the read option came in, that was a big time craze. But what happened? Defensive coordinator stopped it. Yeah. So now you have two straight years of UTEP turning around and running 32 dives and 24 counters the past couple of years. That's pretty easy. To game plan like we've harped and cried about and talked about all season long. So yeah, I mean that 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 could be a real big deal. And, and while we're talking receivers, there's a guy that's gonna visit this week, Christian Gilt, uh, Gibson, coming in on Friday from Prime Prep Academy in Dallas, Texas, 5'11", 193 pounder, uh, has an offer from Illinois State. He took an unofficial to, to UTSA uh, back in August. So another one, another talking about those huge guys, recruit, so. recruiting classes that UTSA is oh, yeah. getting. Oh you know? yeah, 26 guys. Wow. <laughs> All five, eight, all five, ten. But anyway, <laughs> moving throw on. a quick jab in there, man. Oh, yeah, throw a jab at our UTSA, bros. But anyways, getting back to, to our recruiting list that we have here, the other uh, the other offensive commit is Marcos Gohan, a 6'4", 300-pound offensive lineman from El Paso, Americas. Don't have too much information. That was kind of a under the I – mean, but a guy with size, a guy that played kind of in a, a, played with some good running backs the past couple of years. So that's a big guy uh, to keep an eye on. We'll try to get as much information, more information as signing day comes. But then you flip to the defensive side of the ball. And this this goes to your point where you're talking about these JUCO guys and plugging in holes and plugging in fits. The defensive line is what Cougar is really, really going hard after these JUCO guys. And a guy like Sky Logan, 
Demarcus Womack. And then you have your freshman high school guy in Denzel. I'm probably going to murder his name. Forgive me, Denzel. <laughs> Denzel Chukawalu from the Dallas area. That's probably not too bad, actually. Yeah, it might have been pretty close, but oh well. I mean, we'll, we'll learn it. We got four years to learn his name. So, I mean, but all three of these guys are kind of the same mold. They're kind of the three technique. And if you really don't know what a three technique is, that's a guy that kind of lines, lines that shades the guard on the guard's right side that he's facing the defense. And the, all three of these guys aren't re- they're big, but they're speed guys. They have really quick feet. They're more of, I would think, more of package guys coming in. I don't think they're guys that, and, and, and this is really, really obvious about UTEP, is they don't have every down guys. They run a lot of package guys. So these are guys that you can throw in if you have a, a good blitz on a three technique where he can create some space and open up a linebacker. Or he, can, he can create some type of havoc there, and you can send a blitz on the opposite side. These are good systematic fits. They may not have the best, all the stars behind them may not the best rankings, but they're going to fit exactly what Scott Stoker wants to do with his blitzes, what he wants to do with his packages. So I, I think really all three of these guys are, are pretty, particularly the two Juco guys, and Sky Logan and Demarcus Womack, are guys that you're going to see in a rotation, just like Alex Villarreal was last year, another Juco guy that transferred in. And as the season got along, Villarreal started becoming that factor in, on, on the floor, on the floor watching basketball, <laughs> on the field and in packages. So, I mean, th- th- those the two Juco guys are very, very, very important for next season. And then you get a guy like Denzel who's just, I mean, a freak athlete, 6'5", 270, led Rockwell Heat to the Class 5A Division One Regional Semifinal. I mean, he had four sacks in 17 varsity games. I mean, this is a guy that has a lot, a lot of upside, size and strength. Um, you know, he's more of kind of a middle guy more than we're talking about Logan and DeMarcus being a three-tech. So he's the guy that's that zero-tech, a guy that will line up on the ball when needs to. So definitely some in, in some important needs on the defensive side with three, three guys. And not only that, but you got this week, according to Angel, he's telling us there's between eight to 13 guys visiting this week. And that that's just huge. That's huge to get these guys in. After this week, it's going to slow down, obviously. I think there may have to be a handful, max of three next week visiting. Um, but, I mean, just this is an important weekend. This, this, this weekend right here, this build is an important weekend. There was supposed to be up to 20 visiting. It got down to 8 to 13, but huge weekend. Yeah, I mean, this whole recruiting class kind of got off to a slow start. You know, the whole recruiting process. And, and we did take some losses, so... It's it's time. It's time to get things rolling, get these kids in here, get them signed, sign on that dotted line and get them in here because spring ball is right around the corner. But let's move on a little bit. Let's let's, let's switch over to basketball. We're watching basketball anyway, and our thoughts are over there. So let's move <laughs> over to basketball and talk about um, the minors. Big news coming out. I mean, I guess not so huge, but you're always careful with stuff like this. But Vince Hunter, knee sprain, um, kind of day-to-day no major significant injury in the MRIs, as far as we're, as, as we damage know, no, no structural damage. Um, and so, you know, he's just kind of riding the bike. I saw him, you know, with a knee brace on. It's your guy. <laughs> you you got to be so so careful with this guy. But at the same time, you know, you can't. I say you got to be careful with him, I and mean, I mean that in the sense that you don't want to, you know, overdo with him and and cause an injury. But at the same time, you can't play timid, you can't play scared. You got to go out there that's and just play your game. Exactly, worse. exactly. So um, that's something to keep an eye on and and to see how what kind of impact that he will have uh, in the games this, you know, tomorrow night against Western Kentucky and Saturday against Marshall. Um, Man, let's talk. Let's talk about what happened last last weekend. UTSA. Uh, I didn't get to watch the game. I was with some family, but I guess you gotta like the way they open up a three game road swing with an eighteen point win against UTSA, a scrappy UTSA team um, that has been able to to give teams fits by getting to the free throw line, knocking down some threes. They're a little deeper, and and, and they are a little deeper. And we really took away their game. They didn't hit those threes, and they didn't get to the free throw line. Um, you got to think that's a huge win for us, right? I mean, heading into the Western Kentucky game, which is obviously a completely different team, but what what were some things that you saw in that UTSA game that you think might um, be showing that this team is is on the right track? I guess you could say, you know, I know we're twelve and five, but we've seen the issues that we've had. What did you see that maybe maybe it feels like, all right, we're ready to turn this corner? The defense. I mean, the defense, and and everybody wants to talk about Urban Morris scoring, huge. but Urban Morris playing defense has been huge. I mean, that right there. Last year you had one Julian Washburn. Now you have two. 
that you can go and, and you can – a team like Western Kentucky that has two or three leading scorers, you can go out there and you can shade those guys. You can do the, the 60 by two mantra that we've talked about with Floyd where you take out their two scorers. That's the biggest thing is the defensive presence on this team is back to what we're used to. You know, we saw it in stretches during the out-of-conference, but there was too many easy layups. There was too many guys getting beat off dribbles. Um, you know, Floyd really wasn't – Floyd was kind of letting them play. You know, he was really kind of just going, man. But now we're seeing the what do you, what do you call it? the master magician? I guess you want to call yeah. it, where he switches his defenses, and that's starting to become that's what's starting to become what happened last year during that ten game win streak. So that was pretty much my biggest takeaway. And then Urban Morris. I mean, you know, I talked about his man, defense again. You know, man, what, what, what a you know, I could, I, I hear you on the on the whole like you got two Julians now. Maybe on the defensive end, that's oh, true. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that's clear. This guy, and no disrespect to Julian because we know how good he can be, this guy, Urban Morris, has become our go-to scorer, yep. not just shooter anymore. Because a few weeks ago we were saying, hey, he's the best shooter we have, which is still true. But now he's becoming our best scorer. And and that's no disrespect to Vince Hunter because Vince Hunter is still the best player on this team. He's the best athlete, no and he's going to get that. his. But to have Irvin Morris go off for 23 points, you know, you don't need 20 from Vince Hunter. You, you don't need 20 from, from Julian Washburn. You don't need C.J. Cooper to put up 15, you know? I mean, when you've got another guy that you didn't even see, you know, coming into the season, you thought, you know, well, first of all, we talk about the guys that we lost, you know, we, we Offseason, you see these guys that you sign, and you're like, man, these, we were talking about it. These guys are going to be huge. They're going to make these huge impacts, and then they don't even show up. We talked about Markwell Jackson and Chris Sandifer, you know. Asshole. <laughs> and, and we thought those guys are going to come in and be huge, you know, helps to this team. And you don't even think of – and Irvin Morris, I don't think, was in the picture at the time. But you don't even think of a guy like Irvin Morris, you know. No. And what he is doing right now, man, he's playing lights out. And if he continues to play at this level, the sky's the limit for him and this team, I think. And, and and like I wrote today in the game preview, to me, and I even asked CJ about this after the Southern Miss game, it kind of gets his offense going. He was in a two of nine slump, two of nine slump from three point range. And since being inserted in the lineup, he's hit two, or since Morris has been inserted in the lineup, that makes it three games in a row where CJ's hit at least two three pointers. And that's really all we need from CJ. You know, we, we just need him to hit those timely threes, take care of the basketball, and lock his man down. You know, that that's kind of where C.J. Cooper is able to affect the game. And with a guy like Morris that could do it all, and if you have C.J. just doing those little things, UTEP's guard play is, is going to become a factor for certain teams. We all know that UTEP can pound the paint. We all know that we can rebound. We have length to block shots, a flex shot, yada, yada, yada. But we can get that consistent guard play where it's just necessarily making the big plays just rolls. I, I talked about it with, with uh, the way the Red Tile blog in the Q&A. This team is starting to figure out their roles on offense, and that's a big deal because we haven't – I think especially last year with the transformation of, of, of losing three guards and whatever that happened, that that sense of, of what, what am I supposed to do in this situation on the offensive end was just lost. And now with a guy like Morris who's proving to be that scorer, guys like Omega can just fit in and hit that open three or get that open layup and, or, or, or finish an open layup. And a guy like CJ, same deal. Let the offense come to him. He doesn't have to be – doesn't have to have that pressure of, oh, I have to be – I have to score. I have to score. I need to shoot every time. Morris is doing so much for this team in, in, in just putting up points on, on the scoreboard, and that's going to be needed against a guard-heavy, guard-oriented Western Kentucky team. Moving on to talk about Western Kentucky, they're coming off – a 65-58 win at FIU. They completed the sweep of the Florida schools with the, you know, they had the 88-85 win over FAU in overtime the game before. But they have now won, and if you if you if you only want to consider the Division One opponents, they've won five in a row, including Charlotte and Old Dominion, and those two on the road. They they've won uh, seven in a row if you complete, if you include their non-division one opponents and they're nine and one in their last ten with the only loss coming to Louisville who was ranked number four at the time I believe they were still undefeated and um, that was only by nine points this is a team uh, that is well first of all in my opinion they're the top team in the league right now they're playing the best basketball yeah. you talk about T J Price 
George Fant. You know, TJ Price averaging almost 18 points a game, six rebounds. Fant averaging almost 14 points a game and eight and a half straight rebounds. Straight double-doubles for Fant. You know, Fant, Fant is huge. And it's going to be... It's going to be a struggle on the defensive end. Now, you're, you're, it's it's great that we've got two guys in Julian Washburn and Irvin Morris that have become shut-down defenders. My concern is more in the paint. Are we going to be able to, to, to defend without getting into foul trouble? Because if deal. we do, with our with our lack of depth, with Hunter kind of, you know, on the you know you never know if he goes in there and god forbid tweaks his knee or something and then he's out and you're down to a seven man rotation and you've only got you know who prevent to look to off the bench we don't even want to go to that you know we don't even want to talk about that I get into that you know, I don't want to talk about that right now but I'm just saying you know this is this is kind of a it's a it's a tough game to to have this situation, you know, with with, with Vince Hunter, um, again, it's it's going to come down to defense in the paint and being able to rebound the basketball. It, it's it may be the toughest game that we've played so far, and we've played some pretty damn good opponents. Oh yeah, I mean, there's a lot going into this game. They, I mean, looking at Western Kentucky, they don't have a lot of production out of their bigs, but they have a seven-one guy that's kind of a clone of Matt Wilms. They have a six-seven-four that's pretty tough in the paint. They also have a six-ten guy that's kind of almost like another clone of Matt Williams. So, I mean, this is a team that you would think you would have that advantage. You would think guys like Cedric Lang and Williams would be watching film and like, oh, damn, these guys are yeah. soft. Let's, let's just go. Let's just go. And that's what our bigs need to do. Said, I've seen it a lot this year where, yes, his offensive game is proven. It's, it's improved. He's more agile. He's more, he can move around the brim a little bit more. But he's, I think he still lacks that confidence when he gets the ball he just should automatically go. He should automatically back in, look for a shot. That opens up cutters. That opens up shooters. Our bigs have to be aggressive. If they're not aggressive, I mean, every college basketball game comes down to guard play, and that's going to be there. That's going to be there for particularly for Western Kentucky. But if UTEP's bigs can just get a touch and go and get – and they don't have that much depth. So if, if you on the flip side of what you said about foul trouble, if we can get fat in us foul trouble. Now, I know their coach, I think his name is Harper. I saw when they, when they played – when they played Murray State and when they played um, Old Dominion, they were real quick to take Fant and Price off of the floor, like on, at the first 16-minute mark. I guess to kind of they understand they don't have that much depth. UTEP can't be a UTEP can't be passive. They need to be aggressive. Yeah, no and, when, and when those guys are on the floor and, those, and it's in the first four minutes of the game, get Fant in the foul trouble, get him an early foul to let him start thinking because that's all they have in the middle in terms of production. Now have size. Guys, but in terms of production, our bigs need to go and just pound fat. Yeah. He's a guy that could defend the drive. He's 6'6", 250, but he's a super athlete. He can block shots. He has quick hands. But I, there's, there should be no hesitation with a 6'10 guy like Lang who's shown his skills and a guy like Matt Williams who has played Jekyll and Hyde after a very strong stretch of games heading into the conference schedule. So that's really my big matchup is down low. If UTEP could win that. We can kind of cancel out their regard. I, agree. I really think we I agree. can. And, and I think we're both on the same page as far as the matchups down low. Um, you talked about being aggressive, and I think that is a huge key. And, and it's not just aggressive on the defensive or, you know, in trying to get them into foul trouble. It, it's it's We're going to have to be aggressive for 40 minutes. Yeah. This is a team so. that, that does not quit. Nope. They don't go away. If you've watched them play, they played Ole Miss. They were down by almost 20 on the road. 17 with two minutes we, left in the first half. It was the second. I mean, I don't know what it was, it was in the bad. first half. It was a second-half lead that was still up around that point, around 15 minutes to go. They came back, and they won by double digits or close to it. They were up by double digits. And that's almost a 30-point swing and a half. That's nuts. They they will not go away. They're able to knock down their outside shots, which is another thing we've got to be able to defend the perimeter. You talk about T.J. Price, a guy that's shooting 46% from the outside. We cannot let him get loose on the outside. That will be a nightmare for us if he is. But got to play aggressive, 40 minutes, can't fall asleep, can't get complacent. Oh, we look no. at these games where UTEP has gotten the lead, and I'm hoping that we're able to get a lead. But, you know, Tim Floyd likes to go into these real, these real passive, complacent offenses where it's almost like a four corners 1970s offense where we're just trying to run the clock out. If we do that, if we get a lead and we do that, we will lose this game. I guarantee it. They did the same thing against Louisville. Louisville, you know, 
Granted, Louisville's a little more athletic, better team than Ole Miss, probably not going to give up a 20-point lead, but Louisville was up 12, 15 points, and, and every time they'd get to that mark, they'd hit a couple threes, and they'd get it right back down to six, five, get them into that, that place where, you know, you're a little uncomfortable against a team like Western Kentucky. This team will not give up, got to play 40 minutes. If we don't, it's definitely going to be a loss. To, to throw more fuel on that comeback fire, I think they were down with like 13 minutes left to FAU. They were down like 15 points, and they come back and win in overtime. They have not only that, but they have experience. I mean, you're talking about T.J. Price, who's played in the NCAA tournament. George Fance played in the NCAA tournament. Trent Jackson's a transfer from Texas Tech. Then you got a guy from Butler. Uh, his name's not coming to me. I thought I would remember their, uh, their point guard. Harrison Docks. Christopher Harrison Docks is a Butler transfer. Does just a good job of, of taking care of the ball. I mean, these guys are starting to gel at the perfect time, and and this was even before this game. And this and this was a team that was expected to do what yeah, they're doing right now. Exactly. You know what happened early on in the season when they were struggling was not supposed to happen. This was a team that many people coming in that that follow Conference USA felt like they were going to be one to contend, if not contend, be in the top three, four, five teams without a doubt. They started off slow. They kind of fell into the bottom half of the league, but that was the surprise. Right now, this is the true team, and they're coming together at the right time. It's conference play, and, you know, huge game tomorrow night. The Miners have to be ready to go. This is going to be crazy. I mean, uh, they asked me for a prediction or wave the towel brothers over there. and I mean, I, to me, college football, I can pretty much pick every game and be confident. NFL, MLB baseball, not so much. Uh College basketball, not so much. NBA, not so much. Why? Because there's matchups like this where you have a team that's strengthened their guards and you have a team that has strengthened their bigs. I mean, one of them has got to cancel out something, right? Yeah. And I just really feel like that that's what has to happen for the minors in order you know, to, to, to hang in this game, not necessarily win. Because like you said, a lead isn't going to do anything in this game. A lead... A lead just gets you some confidence for a couple minutes. This team, once they, once West Kentucky starts pouring and they start forcing you turnovers, and just like we talked about, where why wouldn't you press a team like UTEP who doesn't, who hasn't, they have the guards, but they haven't proved, hey, I'm that true point guard, I'm that offensive getter into type of guy. Yeah. So that's going to be something to watch out to. I mean, I'm fired up for this game, but nervous as hell at the same time, if that's possible. When you look at UTEP's schedule, UTEP has now has now played. Um, five conference games, and three of those have been on the road. They open up the conference slate with five of seven on the road, and they end the conference season with five of seven at home. So, you know, that's that's going to be huge. This This game, in my opinion, is so pivotal because if they can win this game, it really sets them up for – so I don't. I don't. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to say. I'll say it. You could say it. But really, I mean, I told. I told you about it. You know, I texted you a few days ago. Whatever. When I was talking about their RPI and whatnot, which has crawled back up into the 80s, I believe. You know, if they beat Western Kentucky, they should take care of Marshall. You got UAB and Middle Tennessee at home. I'm not. You know, you can never say a, a game is is an automatic win. You can never say that against Tough any games. Game. The games you should win. Yeah, at but home. but you should win those games. And then and then you go to FAU and FIU. Right? Again, games you should win. Then you come home, you got Charlotte and Old Dominion, which obviously Old Dominion is not going to be an easy game. But, I don't think Charlotte is even, but, even though they're struggling. But Charlotte Old Dominion, man, you know, they're kind of struggling right now. And they're struggling to find points. And that's something that I think the Miners can key on and hold them to, a, if they're still struggling at that point, that they can hold them to, a, you know, under 50 or right around 50, and we can win that game, even if it's 51 50. That'll be playing in the UTEP strength. Exactly. Uh, you know, then you got UTSA. Then you got the toughest game left after this game, which is at La Tech. But, you know, if we can – we should have beat them the first time. I think we can beat them the second time. And then you end with Southern Miss, who's terrible, and then UNT and Rice at home. I mean, there there are definitely a couple games in there that scare you. But this team, really, if they can get past Western Kentucky, they could run the table. And and at worst, I would say if they get past Western Kentucky, they lose at worst two more games. If that, and you know, and, and and that means you finish thirteen and three, but it, it really should be better than that. And then, I mean, I guess I don't want to say that. You know, look, we we've kind of it sucks that we've done what we've done so far this season. We've given away opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to win it, it, some 
some key games. You talk about Washington, Colorado State. The NMSU one hurts the most because that's the worst loss. You know, Arizona, they're trying to get that signature win, and we just keep giving away games, giving away games. Louisiana Tech the first time. It's, I mean, we've had so many opportunities to build a resume for the NCAA tournament, which is where we all want to end up, and we haven't done it. But if you can get past that, and then you go and do something like run the table and finish 15-1 and one in conference, you know, you very well might be in the top 25 at that point because you probably won, what, 15 straight games or yep. something like that, 16 straight games. You know, you go into the conference tournament, you're able to make it to the championship game, you're in the top 25, you won 17 straight. Even if you lose the championship, I would think at that point that's probably enough to get you into the NCAA tournament. I mean, it should be. That's... You look early in the year at the bracketologist the first weekend, and I'm thinking that's – Lenardi's probably thinking about exactly that, where at that point UTEP was playing pretty well. They started off 2-0 and with two, you know, good road wins, not against good teams, but you you figure UTEP loses only two games the rest of the way at that point, and it's kind of still holding true, but it holds true even further to the 30th million thousandth power if they're able to pull together and, and beat Western Kentucky. Because what that tells me is that this team has found it. Yeah, exactly. That, that's the big, the whole bigger thing more than what comes up on the schedule. At, at that point, to really, to Floyd, to everybody else, it, it shouldn't matter because that means this beast of a UTEP team we've been expecting from October has arrived in mid-January when a better late than never. Exactly. But the perfect time with this way the schedule sets up. And not only that, but just grabbing momentum. I mean, this team can hasn't had that type of streak. I think we won what, four or five games early on in the year. If they can find that, I think that chemistry clicks. So I think Floyd's wheels in his head click a little quicker. I think it just, it just winning obviously cures everything, and I think this is just a huge game, like you said, just to echo what you're saying. I mean, it, this is not just beating the 5-0 and Western Kentucky team and, and creating a, throwing a big-time wrench in the conference standing. This is a game that can dictate UTEP season either down the drain or rising to the top. When you think about it, you you come off with a loss and you're four and two, and and now you feel like you haven't turned that corner. Now you feel like you haven't put it all together. And then you come home and you play a UAB, which now that that gets a little scarier, a young UAB team um, that that is, is, you know, under under 500 overall, but started four and one in conference, winning some games right now. Um, and then you got, you know, like we talked about Old Dominion, and then you talk about Louisiana Tech. Can you win those games? Can you beat Louisiana Tech on the road? I mean, you, this is a very big game, and it's not – it is all about – not all, I shouldn't say all. It is very much about, you know, putting it together at the right time and seeing that they're coming together at the right time. But it's also a huge confidence boost, you know, because it's, it's not just about – on the outside looking in saying, oh, they've put it together. No, it's those players realizing we got this. We can do this. This is what it takes. (laughs) This is what it takes. We can go on the road in some of the toughest environments in Conference USA and come away with a win. And and that sets you up well for games like Old Dominion and Louisiana Tech. And and so, you know, I'm not trying to look ahead. Well, I guess I am, you know, talking (laughs) about running the table. But, you know, I don't want to look ahead. But, you know, this is just such a huge game. We've been talking about it for, for about a week or two now. It turns that this win turns that talk into reality. It does. It, does. it, it does. does big time. And so you know, it's a, it's just such a huge game tomorrow. It's going to be televised Fox Sports Net, um, seven p.m. Mountain Time, nine p.m. Eastern Time. Y'all definitely make sure to check that game out. I don't know what else we could say about it, but it's just going to be retiring Courtney Lee's jersey. It, the, the Memphis Grizzly guy okay. played there for yeah, four years. Yep. So that's uh, when I'm talking to Fletcher about it. That that's an added uh, fuel for. Some energy in that building with their home crowd. They're expecting a decent crowd. I had a really, really good crowd against Old Dominion for a Saturday afternoon game, I think it was. Yeah, that was afternoon because UTEP you know, played later that night. But. I think a lot of people see UTEP as the class of this yeah, league, Yeah, they man. do. They do. You know, fans show up when UTEP's there. And it's like us. It's like when we have games here and we see Louisiana Tech coming into town, that's a big game for yeah. us. You know, when you see, I'm sure, Old Dominion, when they come into town, that's a big game for when us. And Houston's I think, and exactly, when it was Memphis and Houston and those teams, you know, we, we knew those big those games were big and the fans showed up and supported. And I think we have that stature in the league now. And I think other teams, their fans see, oh, UTEP's coming into town. That's one of the better teams in the league. We're going to go watch that game. So, yeah, you can always expect a better turnout when UTEP's in the house, in my opinion. And that seems to fire up these guys that day clown from UTSA was just fueling Urban Morris. I figured out fool talking trash at the game, and Urban just kept looking over there. So 
So these, these guys, you can tell that they're taking it as a stride. They're not letting it affect them. And, I mean, Western Kentucky, I think I said it before the year, and a lot of people were kind of like, what? I think that could become one of UTEP's biggest rivals in the conference. That'd be interesting. And, I mean, La Tech is right up there right now because, I mean, we look at it. There's, I mean, other than UAB, just because we've had history with UAB, you can't really say you have a conference rival. But I think UTSA is getting there because a lot of these a lot of these UTSA fans like to talk a lot of smack, yeah. and it, and it fuels people on Twitter, and that drives it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And people start getting fired up when we play UTSA, and you know we all know what happened last year in football, and we turn return the favor this year with that shutout up there. <laughs> so I think that right there is is, is going to come first. I think that's what if they can get better at basketball. I think that would be an interesting rivalry. Oh, yeah. uh, but that would be cool, too. Western Kentucky, um, they've they got history. some history. Yeah, they got some history, and they always have good players. I mean, they have recent history. I don't know if it'll – I, I, I don't know if any of those teams, though, man, can live up to, like, the Memphis days. Oh, you know, no. Like, I, 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 not even. We can even go as further as – Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. The they go back days. to the whack days. They keep talking about Utah and BYU. Even before those oh, days, yeah, yeah. Utah, BYU coming in here, New Mexico – Wyoming, even I remember the days when uh, who who was it? Uh, what was his name? Uh, that that decked Sly Sly something oh, yeah, from the, uh, from it was like, BYU was it? No, it was Wyoming. It was Wyoming. It was Wyoming. <laughs> oh, I know what you're talking about too. He's a it white was, boy, wasn't he? Well, Jeff Spiller, you know our little point guard, got pushed because <laughs> I can't remember if it was it wasn't Ralph Davis. It was. Um, Man, that's gonna be on the top, on the tip of my tongue. But you know, he goes up for the layup. One of our guys goes up for the layup and, and gets pushed. You know, kind of a dirty foul. And so Jeff Spiller, little five eight, five nine white point guard dude, comes running in to to kind of get in in this guy Sly's face. And and so this guy turns and just cracks him across the face. And here comes God. I can't think of his name, but he just Kevin Beal. It was Kevin Beal, bro. Kevin Beal comes running in and just. Dex, this kid. This was an ESPN2 game. And, oh, man, it was just – those were the days, bro. Those were the rivalry days. Every single team that came into the Don Haskins Center in the old WAC was a rival, man. And it those were heated matchups. And I don't know if any conference hall will ever live up to that. But, you know, it'd be interesting to see if we could if we can start, to, you know, developing some kind of rivalry. Type of rivalry in that. But let's also, move on a little uh, bit, though. Real quick, though, on the women's. That women's exactly game, what I wanted to man. talk about. Exactly what I want to talk about. UTEP – Women taking on Western Kentucky as well here in the Don Haskins Center. Western Kentucky's no joke. Number twenty four in the nation, and and UTEP uh, been struggling a little bit. What do you think, man? It's I mean they're gonna have to play. What what's it? I could use any cliche. Light a fire under your ass, hair on fire, playing with a purpose. I mean that that's it's the ultimate type of game they're gonna have to play. Um, you know, UTEP is sort of playing left handed, whether without their best rebounder and without their best scorer this year. Shout out and, uh, to shout out to Lutep Minor real quick tweeting us at, tweeting at us about talking about the old whack. Definitely a lot of minor fans remember those days. Man. Uh, I, I I I think we could probably have a whole podcast. Yeah, we probably that. could. Actually, if I even bring my grandpa in, I, you know, what, <laughs> I'm saying I want to. There's a story I, I want to go out and say, but there's a story where Spiller actually was talking to me as a young kid because we games back in the day yeah. when they. I gotta ask him because you said so. I, I asked him about it being a stupid snot nosed kid, and Spiller gave me a, a really good answer. My grandpa remember that, but yeah, I mean, they go going back to the women's game. I mean, ah, man, this is gonna be tough for the miners. It really is. I mean, six they're, and two, five and zero. Oh, Western Kentucky is no joke, man. Um, and they're coming off. Let me see how many games they've won here. They've won sixteen, no, sixteen and two. No, but how many in a row? Oh, oh, uh, well, I guess we just take off 11, three, no? so 13. 13 in a row, man. And they made it to the finals of the WNIT preseason this year. They they lost at Mississippi State and at Louisville. They beat Colorado. They beat Ole Miss. Um, and now in conference play, they beat you know Marshall, who's up who's up near the top. And I mean, thirteen in a row, man. I don't. I don't I'm not sure. I'm not sure what else needs to be said. This is this is a team that's that's hot. That I mean, it's coming off nearly a 40 point win over Florida International. And granted, Florida International is on the bottom of our league, but they're stacked. UTEP mean, is going to have their hands full. And you talk about the losses that they've had this season. It's not going to be it's not going to be easy at all. Nah, they're going to need. I mean, they're going to need the ultimate effort. I mean, they're young. This is a very very young group. You know, the only really seasoned vet you could say is Stacey Thayer, but she's a second year JUCO yeah. transfer. So, I mean, but so this is really, I mean, 
there's I really hate moral victories when I talk about UTEP sports because I want UTEP to win as Homer as we are here at Minor Rush. <clears throat> but who me? Nah, I'm saying oh, I, that's just our inside joke. You know how we fuck around, always calling ourselves Homers. But I'm a Homer. I, I, I'm I, cool with it. I could be a Homer sometimes too. But this is, I mean, sh- these girls. This is a very very good confidence booster if they can just hang with them. Their core of players are young. You're talking about the shining McCann at the center. She's a young girl that has kind of seen her minutes go down uh, during conference play, but she's going to be a big piece. You have Lulu McKinley, McKinney, who has been just consistent as can be from a freshman guard, freshman player of the week, uh, three straight weeks during the season uh, in the conference play. And then Sparkle Taylor still a sophomore. Kamisha Turner still a junior. And then you have the, the big girl in the middle, Martha Mashenko. She's a 6'3 girl, freshman, still working on her on her confidence. And I think the biggest thing, everything in sports, we talked about it with the men, confidence. But watching women's basketball the way I have over the past couple of years, I think confidence is 70% of the women's basketball game. When you have a really, really good team like UTEP has, when they have the pieces and they have the athletes, it's just building that confidence to be aggressive, to be an alpha dog. And this is a game that can maybe jumpstart that. But, I mean, you're talking about a Western Kentucky team. And, uh, Brett Broomquist from the El Paso Times did a great write-up and, and really broke down how good this Western Kentucky team has been over the past couple of years. Check that out. I mean, it's Well, you, you know, talking about this year, you start off with, with two girls in Alexis Govan, I believe is her name, 5'10", senior guard, averaging better than 17 points a game, as well as six uh, foot forward Chastity Gooch, averaging better than 17 points a game. Also, you know, Chastity Gooch is that. <laughs> what are you laughing at, man? Should I not say her last name? I don't know. I don't know what it is. But both those, both those girls. It's with a G, bro. G. It's 17 points a game. You know, Chastity averaging 7.6 rebounds. Um, you know, four players averaging in double figures. It, it's it's they're gonna have their hands full, man. It, 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 at the wings and at the guard positions, and I'm not sure that this team's gonna be able to handle them. I mean, the cliche thing is always, oh, rebound, you know, rebound, play good defense. But, I mean, against this team, you have to do everything well. UTEP struggle with turnovers. They've struggled with, with, with rebounding. I mean, this is a game where if if they're plus three on the board, that could mean a 10-point lead. This team is averaging 53 rebounds a game. Yeah, and then that stretches it out a little more. 53 rebounds a game. You don't even see that at the men's level unless you're – Ah man, that's just a tough game for the ladies. I just hope that they can get some type of confidence out of this game. I hope that the crowd shows up. It just, you know, it's a real injustice to USA is doing by having the men's and women. And this at was the at the exact time. same time. There have been some other games that are hour, yeah, yeah. hour two apart, but this was at the I mean, exact that, same time. I, if, I really think if this was on a if this was tonight, I'm thinking maybe you get a couple thousand in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? The way UTEP's kind of been pushing a little bit. You know, they they got a bigger fan base now, so I'm mean, thinking. You know, I all they could get. It, it, with this 14-team league, you know, 18-game schedule, they're still trying to figure things yeah, out. Yeah, you can tell. You know, they, think, they probably thought coming in that this would be the best way to do it and have the, the – because we've never had this before nope. where it's been exactly the same schedule for men and women, just home and home and away swapped. And so I think they're just trying to figure it out, and, and we'll probably see things change it up, changed up a little and, bit. And I think it honestly affects attendance maybe like in the hundreds in the women's game. Sure. You think about Saturday night's game. If that game was a seven o'clock game when they played UTSA, you get in the guys like us that were that have to kind of be tuned into the men's game. Don't and then ever, you get the other don't game. ever get a quote from Progressive. Let me tell you guys. Or I'm sorry, from Allstate. Don't ever Thanks. get a quote online from Allstate. Man, these guys just kill me, bro. They're like telemarketers now every single day. And they're calling right now at 745, so it's not that late. But they're calling at 9 o'clock at night like, oh, let me let me get you. Let me follow up on your quote. I'm like, you guys have already uh, done no. this with me, man. <laughs> Gosh, sorry to break off there. But, geez, man, calling me, blowing me up from 8 That's, why I, that's why I don't fuck with voicemail. <sighs> I people are like, I have voicemail. What for? I don't talk to you. I don't talk to you. But. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. That game is 7 p.m. tomorrow night. Make sure you all show up and support. I know a lot of people are going to want to watch that men's game, but they, the ladies deserve the support as well. So 7 p.m. tip off, Western Kentucky, number 24 in the nation. Let's start wrapping it up here. Let's let's switch over and let's talk. Let's let's talk a little bit of Conference USA. Um, this, before, this, Paul, I, I'm just getting. I get so giddy on Monday mornings yeah. to, to to put this together because, like we said before, we have a good diverse uh, of of diverse 
catalog of, of mm-hmm. voters. But the race at the top four is just so interesting to me and how people view it. It's starting to even up, too. Yeah, it is. Because it is. You, you look at the votes, and in the past, you know, for weeks we had Old Dominion, and it was it was everybody had Old Dominion. Now you look at it, and you've got five for Louisiana Tech, so obviously there's still, you know, that everybody's leaning to them. But Western Kentucky's got two votes, and Old Dominion's got two votes. So it's starting to kind of even out a little bit, and people aren't really sure who That's is exactly. the best team in the league. Exactly. I mean, because you got perfect example. Me and you. You say that, and it's true. Western Kentucky is the best team in the league right now. They're hot. They won whatever they won. But I still think Old Dominion deserves to be number one because they're out of conference. It's still early in the conference schedule for me. They played. They played Western Kentucky pretty tough on the road, even though they lost. And they've had some other decent wins on the road against Charlotte, who's who knows in two or three weeks that may not be a good win. Yeah. But I mean, there's just so much to look at. Starting right at the top, like you said, La Tech, 122 total votes, five in the first place. They got North Texas and Rice. They should roll the way that they're playing right now. I mean, they're just playing outstanding defense. I mean, this is a team that. It's just crazy to me that these guys have no bench. I think they they literally have like eight. Or nine guys in uniform. It was crazy. What to touch on that way again? UAB was outscoring them eleven nothing in bench points in the first half when that game was close on Saturday. It, it's it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. They these guys, they don't have a bench. They they only put eight or nine guys in the uniform. I'm and I'm talking about like you're looking all the way down the bench at walk-ons and everything. Last year, same deal. There there are no guys on that bench, and they're getting away with scoring. Like I like we you know we talked about it here against UTEP. They scored four or five points off the bench in that game and won by double digits. So they're getting this done with no production off the bench, straight up just starting Alex five Hamilton, guys. Appleby, and yeah, Speedy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's, it's, it's impressive. It's impressive. Very, very impressive. And number two, Mr. Kentucky, we've talked about them. They picked up 115 points this week with two first-place votes. They got the Texas school swing with Tech, uh, UTEP coming in Thursday, of course, and UTSA on Saturday. And you move down to number three, and I think you, I, I really, really feel this is a big weekend for Old Dominion. They have 113 points this week with two first-place votes, coming in 15-2, and 4-1 in Conference USA play. I thought this was a very tough stretch last season playing at Middle Tennessee and UAB, that UAB-Middle Tennessee swing. And I think this is going to be a really big challenge, even though these are games that you're looking at they should win. But this is a very, very big weekend for me to continue to put Old Dominion number one. I've put Old Dominion number one how many weeks in a row now. So this is a big weekend for me to see how they come on the road against Middle Tennessee, who can't really score, but they can shut you down defensively. And UAB, who is that upstart team that we're going to get to here in a little bit. Obviously, number four, UTEP coming in. Um, I don't think there's any question that, that the Miners, you know, I could still argue that they belong higher. I don't put them any higher, but but they are the top, one of the they, top three they, teams. They are one of the top. I think they are one of the top three teams. But regardless of that, nobody behind them, even UAB, who's had a hot start in conference, even when they hadn't lost a game yet, um, UTEP is right where they belong. Western Kentucky uh, tomorrow night. Talk plenty about that. Marshall on Saturday. Both road games. Going to be a, a nice road trip. And you know, finishing up a three-game road swing, you pick up these wins. You're going to move a few, up. Yeah, going to move up and got got a homestand coming up where you could find yourself seven, eight wins into the conference schedule. Um, UAB coming in at number five. They got Charlotte and Old Dominion. As tough as of a road swing as you'll see. I'm sorry, they're they're at home. Even even at that though, a couple tough games going to be at home for UAB. Young team, eight and ten, four and one overall. Um, they they stayed exactly where they were last week at number five. Middle Tennessee moved up a spot up to number six, and they're kind of coming around just a little bit, yeah. just a little bit. I mean, they're not gonna. This isn't a team that – they're probably not going to pick up any wins against the top two or three teams in the league, but they're a team that you can't, you, you know, you can't look past. And, and they're coming in 10-8, and 3-2 and two now in conference. They kind of fell off there for a minute, but they're moving back up the rankings. And they got also same same slate as UAB, but reverse Old Dominion and Charlotte this weekend. So we'll know a lot more about them after this weekend. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, this is a team with, a, with just so many young parts, so many young athletes. They're gonna, the UAB will be – competitive at top of the league in the next couple of years with what they had brought in this season. And, I mean, like you said, this is a – I really think this is a big weekend for UAB and Old Dominion in terms of where the voters are going to see them come Monday morning. Yes, sir.
Numero siete, number seven. Charlotte, after Middle uh, Tennessee, we got Charlotte. At UAB, at Middle Tennessee this weekend, tough road swing for them. I mean, I don't even know what to say because I was expecting a lot more of this team. And, and not just before the season, but you kind of gave him a free pass. He said, all right, you kind of you played a tough schedule, and, and now let's, let's start getting into it. And they picked up a couple wins early on that you thought this team is going to make some noise. But I don't know what to think of them. I mean, it's, it's like a poll question here where, where I expected uh, Charlotte to be. That's where UAB is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with that. And they're 8-9, 2-3 and three again. Got road games at UAB and Middle Tennessee this week, and they're, they're sliding the if wrong you, way. If you lose those two, I mean, you're done. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, as good as, as Charlotte has a top-four personnel group in the league, I mean, you're talking about Pierre Henry. He will be, I born, think, his first team. No question. No doubt about it. And it's just, it's really disappointing. I know their coaches had health issues. That could be another thing about it. You know what I mean? It could possibly be parlaying into it. But, I mean, really, if Charlotte loses, even if they split this this weekend, I mean, you got to think they're on the outside looking in. Oh, yeah, definitely. Florida International coming in at number eight. They're up to nine and nine, two and three. Uh, right where they were last week, number eight. They got a buy, then they got at Old Dominion on. Uh, no, actually, that's not that's that's next week. So they're off. They're off yeah, this they're week. Both Florida schools. Um, I mean, I guess that's a a nice little break for you. But that's what is this football? Yeah, that's when I when I, I mean, that, like you said, they're like you said, the conference still trying to figure out yeah. the kinks. And UTEP has had, I want to say, at least three eight day layoffs or seven day layoffs at minimal. Yeah. So I mean, that it's that's a thing that you want to look at, but. Florida International is a team that I haven't really sat down and watched this year, but they're just the same thing. You know, you kind of – it's hit or miss. One week they're in seven. One week they were six. One week they were eight. Now they're kind of sitting in that eighth, ninth spot, maybe even a seven. You know, if they can do some damage, they'll have the Old Dominion Charlotte swing on the road next week. So, good week to rest up for the Panthers. And, I mean, they're they're going to be one of those scrappy teams. I know they have some young talent there, too, just like UAB. Talk about a scrappy team. The Rice Owls, 5-11, and 2-3, and three, coming in at 10. number 9. Yeah, they moved up from number 12, moved up three spots after a big win for them. They got Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech this week. Southern Miss, a game that should be a pretty competitive one. I mean, Southern Miss is pretty bad, but I think they'll be able to be to be competitive against Rice. But if Rice can pick up that one, maybe they got some confidence going up against Louisiana Tech. I think that honestly, now that I'm looking, I think they give Tech a little bit of a run for their money. I'm not saying Rice. I would. I'm here sitting here calling the upset, but it wouldn't be surprised to see Rice have a little early halftime lead. They fight. Or, they, they fight, fight man. They're, and they shoot. And, and we saw how they were able to to cut that lead in, late in the second half against UTEP before UTEP went on that run. But mm-hmm. Tech needs to be careful on this road trip. <laughs> UTN is, UTN, UTSA, I should say, moves down a spot, down to number ten. They got at Marshall and at Western Kentucky this week. I think if UTSA loses to Marshall, uh, I mean, let's not yeah, get into that. Let's not get into it. But I mean, at Western Kentucky, tough one on Saturday. Eight and eight, two and three in conference. Number eleven, Florida Atlantic, eight and eight, one and four in conference. And they got that same buy that we were talking about. And then they got the the same road swing FIU has, but obviously reverse shard and then Old Dominion. Um, and they stay they stay right where they were uh, the week before. Big comeback victory against Marshall. Yeah. Huge, huge, big game. <laughs> North Texas at number twelve, seven and ten, one and four. I don't know what to make of that team because because I saw some athleticism against UTEP and I haven't seen it since. Oh, and they and that that guard that they had that got into a little scuffle with uh, Cooper was actually suspended. He got a tech, I believe, in the game after UTEP. He, and that was kind of their big time score because yeah. they really don't have any. I mean, Jordan Williams. Well, I was think a very he had a career player, high against UTEP. Yeah, right? twenty three, and, uh-huh. and he had been kind of doing the. 10-point, 13-point yeah. here and there effect from the three-point line. So that's kind of a big loss, and that's something that if they lose to Southern Miss, I mean, that's, you know so there's bigger issues there. Battle of the bottom out. is won by Southern Miss. I had Southern Miss 14 still. I, 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 really, I believe. I think what the voters is because we've had Marshall, I think the past three weeks, I want to say, Marshall's been at the bottom, and they haven't gotten any type of win to, yeah. you know, to get them <laughs> out the bottom. Southern Miss. Yeah, so. We have 14A I mean, in, yeah, in Thundering Herd and 14B with Southern Miss at the bottom. Southern Miss, 13, 13, I'm sorry, 17 total points, 5 and 0 and 5. Votes. And, um, yeah, basically that means that one person had Marshall 13th, which I believe was me, and everybody else yeah, had him in 14. Um, so I'm the odd man out. Trends. That's trends, all right, man. I'm a trendsetter. I'm a trendsetter. I, I like it. I mean, I'm, I'm going to switch it. 
to y'all voters next week where I don't have to count them all up. We'll use a little survey monkey. I but. do, I do, I do like where this poll has gone though. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I I did it for a while my own where because basically it's just my own opinion. Yeah, that's and, how and, I ran it last year. And, and, and that's way. and it's it's cool because I mean you get to to come up with your own poll and but. You start running into a lot of people seeing the poll and being like, well, I think this should be here. But when you got nine, ten voters, hey, now you got a little more diversity. Now you got more opinions. And, 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 and it's not just UTEP. You know, uh-huh. you have a few UTEP people, but you've got people from other schools across Conference USA. And you would have three UTEP voters, four UTEP voters. And so, so you get you get a chance to get, you know, a, a truer vote, if you want to yeah. say. And I definitely like where this has gone. Um, and I hope we can keep expanding it in the future. Any any Conference USA bloggers out there, let us know, man. Hit us Even up. Even some more minor people, what's up? You can get all of us. Definitely. We can always use more. Some people can't send it in for whatever reason. They're busy all the damn time, just like we can use any other writers at any other time. Y'all yes, sir. Let's let's talk real quick. Start to wrap it up here. We're already an hour in. Um, got some games coming up tomorrow, obviously. In Conference USA, and I want to get your your picks. I just want to bring up the schedule real quick, but I want to I want to see what you got picked for tomorrow because I'm gonna put you on the spot, especially about oh. that UTEP game. Oh, see what you're thinking because yeah. I know you couldn't give it away the red towel. But all right, here we go. Um, first game to tip is UTSA Marshall, 5 p.m. Mountain Time. UTSA at Marshall. Who you got now? You know UTSA is favored by one, by the way. I'm, I'm going to go Marshall. I'm, I, I like the way – I think they're going to be real pissed off the way that they blew that game against FIU. And UTSA, I think UTEP showed a good blueprint of how to shut them down. And Marshall kind of has those athletes, in a sense, on the perimeter with Ryan Taylor. And I think Marshall wins a very, very close, very competitive game. I agree. I think Marshall's going to come away with it. It will be a tough game. Marshall will come away with it. Charlotte at UAB. I mean, this, like we talked about, this is Charlotte's kind of do-or-die um, – Situation right now, two and three in the league. In the league, uh, got a tough swing. Who do you think? I think UAB that they can match. They have the athletes. I don't know that center's name. He has kind of a weird foreign name, but he's a big six ten guy that blocks everything that comes his way. And I think that's going to be a big deal to keep Charlotte's athletes out of the paint yeah. and force them into a jump shooting team. Again, another game that should be pretty tough. I think Charlotte's got a little more experience and, and a little more. I mean, and I, I look back to Piari Henry, who's a guy that just, you know, tops in the league. Um, I think this is a game that, that they can come away with. I think they match up well, and I think Charlotte will be able to come up with this win. Old Dominion, 6 p.m. tip also. Old Dominion at Middle Tennessee. Again, Middle, this is a game that Vegas only has Old Dominion favored by two and a half points. Oh. Um, so, small line, and it shows that, that Old Dominion's been struggling a little bit lately. I mean, they're still 15-2, and two, but they're struggling to score the rock, and... and you got a Middle Tennessee State team that's, that's starting to come around just a little bit. What do you think? Defend, I, the Middle Tennessee defends. I think they'll get an early lead. But I think that Richard Ross, you'll see uh, – I can't think of that left-handed guard's name. Uh, Freeman. Freeman will get going. Bay Cole, I think those guys will start kind of coming together with that offensive guy in this particular game. And I think they can outlast the Middle Tennessee just because yeah. Middle Tennessee is scoring defense. I, I think the line is too small if you're a better out there. I'm not telling you to bet, but I think the line is too small on this one. Louisiana Tech and North Texas also a 6 p.m. tip. Louisiana Tech um, is favored by 10 and a half. I think they roll. I, I, I think like like we talked about North Texas, they're going through whatever they're yeah. going through. And La Tech, La Tech's only really tough game this weekend will be at Rice. But I think they roll. And I think they roll from, from the get-go. Yeah. I don't even think yeah, this is going to be a close game. Totally I think agree. they're going to come out quick out of the gates. They're going to be up 10, 12 points, 10 minutes in, and I think it's on from there. Um, Southern Miss at Rice, another 6 p.m. tip. This is a game that we talked about a second ago that could be, you know, one for Southern Miss to, to you know, compete in and possibly also get off that, that schneid there. How do, what did Doc do? During, you said played Rice during Doc's days here. How do you do in Houston? you remember off the top of your head? I don't remember off the top of my head, but I've never liked Doc's either, so. <laughs> so you wouldn't even care? So I wouldn't even care. I, I, I think Rice gets on. I, I think Southern Miss is kind of in a hole and so and Rice has that ability to knock down the three plus they're playing pretty well right now. So I'll take Rice at home, but that's gonna be a really close hard spot game. And Rice is actually favored by eight, which oh, I think is too much. And again, I'm not telling right. you to go out there and bet, but Rice is favored by eight. Um again, I'm not a big Doc Sadler fan. I, I'm a, I'm more of of the opinion that he kind of fed off of what Gillespie had. He, he used oh, his players oh, and yeah. rolled to the NCAA tournament and I never saw the, the ability to recruit 
from from Sadler, and I I wasn't uh, impressed with his X's and O's. Best player that he had in Nebraska, Ray Gallegos. Who the hell is Ray Gallegos? Yeah, and, and so and so I I don't know. I mean, I think Southern Miss will be able to compete in this game. Should be a good game. Um, just for the sake of it, I'll, I'll say they pick up the win here, and Doc Doc Sadler gets his first win in conference Doc USA. Last run. game of the night, and the best game of the night in my opinion, UTEP Western Kentucky. I think everybody tip. Vegas has got Western Kentucky at one. Ooh. And these lines are according to ESPN. These lines could be changed. Or ESPN is not too – they're not too quick to change the lines when Vegas changes them. But uh, Western Kentucky is favored by one. And I think that's probably fair. I think that's fair. Utah um, definitely has the ability to win the game, and that's why you don't see, you know, a bigger line. But Western Kentucky is hot right now. And they're at home. They deserve to be the favorites. But what do you think? In my preview, I started it last night with the Vince Hunter information. I always like to put my opening line, what I would, if I was a, a Vegas person, what I would put it. I put it four and a half with Vince. I put it four and a half to, to Western Kentucky with Vince out. But seeing Vince Hunter back today, I think I had it at two and a half or three. And I think this is a game that's going to come down to those last two minutes. Whoever executes in those stretches of, of, of possessions and defensive stops is going to win this game. I think, like we touched about earlier, it's going to be a 40-minute game. UTEP has to play consistency and consistent in all phases. And I just think at this point, I just haven't seen that enough. And I think Western Kentucky could slip this one out. I'm not going to say they will because out of the jinx and I'll be in a pissed-off mood on Friday if they lose. But I just I think this is a game that favors Western Kentucky more. But, I mean, there's no doubt that UTEP's going to come to play. Um, you know, I can understand how it favors West Kentucky, but I'm going to be the homer and I'm going to be the optimistic one and say that UTEP will have Vince Hunter in, in full capacity, and I think that that we will be able to come away with this one. I think it's time, man. It is time. It's it's year five. It's year five in Coach Floyd's tenure here at UTEP, man. And and I, I hated on him last week or whatever you want to call it. I bitched and moaned and whined about it last week and. I hate to be that guy, but look, it's year five. We've underachieved every year. We've had every excuse. We've Yes, we've gone through things. Yes, we've lost players. But you know what? Every coach before him, including Doc Sadler, took those teams to the NCAA tournament. The last three coaches that are here had, a, had at least one trip to the NCAA tournament. It's time. It's year five. There's no more excuses. This is the game that, that in my opinion – will determine the future of this season. Um, I don't know that we can go on the road. Well, I say on the road. I mean, quote-unquote, neutral environment in the Conference USA tournament. I don't know if we can knock off Old Dominion, Louisiana Tech, Western Kentucky in a neutral environment in conference play. We haven't seen it any year from from Tim Floyd to even get to the, to the championship game uh, other than year one. And so I don't know that we can do that this year if we're not playing at, at the top of our ability. So this is the game and I'm going to be the optimistic minor fan, the homer, and say that, yes, we will turn that corner and we will win this game. It's about time. Man. Like it's you time. Said, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. And, man, it's, it's going to be a long day till 7 I know, o'clock. man. I know. I hate those. I hate that. You just, you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. You keep looking at the clock. But, anyways, pretty damn good show, in my opinion, man. I, I thought Not we bad. hit it pretty good. Um, got plenty about. in. We're already over an hour in. But y'all know where to find us, MinorRush.com, Facebook.com slash MinorRush. Uh, on Twitter, we're at SBN Minor Rush. You can email us at SBNMinorRush at gmail.com. And, yeah, hit us up, man. Let us know what y'all want, comments, requests, uh, you know, anything. Let us know Ideas what we can do, what we can do better. If y'all want to write for us, let us know. We always, we're always we always looking for help. We could always use it. And, um but nation needs fresh, needs a fresh voice. So, yes, sir. holla at us, and we'll see y'all in the comment thread tomorrow. We out. Or today. <laughs>